McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. It's much like hockey. It's much like basketball. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. It's the McGregor vs. Poirier rubber match. Get in on all the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. All throughout the week, that's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Another day. Well, it's going to lift the cup at home. It's Cody Jans and Katie Caldwell with you here. World Hockey Report live on 12 Ounce Sports. Brought to you by Lord Co Auto Parts, proud supporters of community and competitive hockey in British Columbia and Alberta. Huge show lined up for you. Connect with us anytime on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. Actually, we might not be live on Twitter, so just connect with us anywhere today. We're not <laughs> experts here, but we're making it happen. Huge show in a minute's time. D'Angelo, get a jump on here. Tampa Bay Lightning reporter, Stephanie Lego. Coming to co-host Habs tonight, then Mike Pluso, former NHLer, coming up in about 40 minutes time. Before that, got to tell you, is this the year the Cup returns to Canada? As a Canadian-owned and operated company and proud supporters of community hockey programs, Lord Co. Auto Parts hopes it is. Lord Co. Auto Parts, household name community since 1974, trusted place to shop for aftermarket auto parts, truck accessories, RV supplies, and even camping essentials as 85 stores in BC and Alberta. Everyone's cheering on Canada's very own Montreal Canadiens. Maybe not our next guest here, but oops about that one. Most <laughs> guys in the league, visit a Lord Co. Auto Parts location today for knowledgeable service and quality auto parts. To learn about the latest in-store promotions, a variety of products and brands available, visit them today, lordco.com. Katie, you want to invite on our next guest or what? You can tee it up here. Oh, I'm so excited for her to be here. She does it all. She covers the Bucks. She covers the Lightning. She is living her best Tampa life. Deandra Liu, Tampa Bay Lightning reporter. How are you doing, Deandra? Katie, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm doing great. I told you guys when I came on, it was kind of an interesting 24 hours here in Tampa. We just had a hurricane. And now we've fully switched. The sun is out. And now it's full hockey mode. So <laughs> it's been a really interesting 24 hours. That is insane. And I know that you know, I was complaining here because I'm like, wow, it's like plus 30 out. I got nothing to complain about weather wise. I have. We're not dealing with hurricanes in Canada. That's for <laughs> Andrew, I, I wanted to pick your brain about this series. I think it's been a good series so far. I think people are a little too harsh on it so far. But what should we expect to see different from the Bolts tonight now that they're at home for game number five? 
Yeah, you know, I've been talking about this the whole series. First of all, this Lightning team is stacked, right? And so Kalorn, it was just announced Kalorn will be out again for game five. Um, what you're going to see, I think, is you're going to see them going back to where they were game one. Um, it's going to be a big game for them. There was a joke in Tampa. Our mayor made a joke. I'm sure you guys saw it because it went <laughs> Oh, viral. we talked about it? <laughs> oh, my God. And, you know, it's so weird because the mood was during game four for everybody was kind of like, are they going to come back and win it at home? Well, it would be great if they won it at home. It's been an ongoing fight in Tampa um, just because the momentum at home. We, like I said, in game four for the watch party, it was an away game and they sold out 16,000 tickets for an away game. So as you can tell, like the energy here in Tampa is huge. So for them to come back home and have the chance to win the cup here, it's it's a big deal for them. Um, game four was really interesting. They, the Bolts, there was a lot that they didn't really do they kept hitting the post I think they hit the post three times <laughs> at the end there was a Kucherov had an easy goal and and he hit the post which was so unlike him uh, so they had that they had a four minute power play that they just didn't capitalize on so there's a lot of things uh Carey Price you know he obviously had a, he had a good game in game four and I feel like that was the first time we've really seen him this entire series mm -hmm. so uh that's going to be something that has to change they got to keep a lot of traffic down there try to distract Carey Price uh, because when he has a good game, so does everyone else. Well, and you bring up the post, you bring up Carey Price. Like, Deandra, do you see this as a situation where it's just one loss for the Lightning? You trust that they'll pull it off in five? Or are you getting a sense that the series has shifted in any way? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This is kind of what the Lightning do. Um, they do this a lot. They actually did this last year. Um, and they, I think they lost in game five or I think it was game five last year. Mm. Um, and so this is kind of what they do. Now, I don't know. There's always that chance. You know how it is in the Stanley Cup finals. It can always go either way. Obviously, Montreal is a good team. That's how they got here. This is the toughest championship to win. So you're not going to win it by being mediocre, right? So there is always mm -hmm. that chance that Montreal can get that momentum. I have to say, they got on the board first in game four and the lightning were pretty much fighting them off the entire time so if that happens again it could definitely be a momentum shift i will say though this is kind of a pattern with the lightning they have the ability to win this game they can win it big and we'll see we'll see which team walks into amelie arena tonight we're gonna see well, speaking of which team, where I'm going to ask you which player is going to walk in. So three assists in the first game, but we've seen nothing on the score sheet since. Have the Habs actually found a way to slow down Braden Point, or are you not too worried about it heading into tonight's game? Ooh, I mean, they definitely have. They they because he was on fire. He was on fire mm -hmm. until we until we got to the finals. Um, but again, this team is so stacked. We could see anytime Stamkos does anything. Like, if he scores a goal, that's going to be the end of it. The Lightning will just keep going. That momentum, it, it'll it'll take them all the way to the end. Um, so if we see anything from Stamkos, that's going to be a huge deal. If Kucherov comes out, he's on his A game, which I believe, knowing him just as a player, hitting the post and being able to win that game and then hitting the post, he's an animal. So he's going to be <laughs> ready to go. Um, so, you know, maybe they – Braden Point, I was kind of surprised um, – with with how he's playing this series but but we have so many weapons on this team it, it really they have a lot of chances so we'll, so we'll mm -hmm. see what happens deandra i, I don't want to you know play john cooper here or anything <laughs> 
But should Tampa even bother throwing their second power play unit out there? I mean, they've struggled so much this postseason. They have generated absolutely nothing for this team. What's going on? Because it seems like if it's not their big guys scoring when they've got an advantage, they're just killing time out there. I know. I know. It's a tough, uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I watched the the presser this morning with Cooper and he seemed very calm, sticking to the game plan. They have the same game, pl- game plan and they've had it every single time. And if they stick to what he says, they're going to win. We don't even know what the exact game plan would be because he, you know how Cooper is. He never shows his cards. He's very straight faced. Um, so we're going to see what happens. I, I was kind of surprised uh, you know they had a four minute power play that could have been it that would have won the game for them and they couldn't even capitalize on it so um, that's definitely something they're going to be focused on for game five last question for you here Deandra so we've got football roots together so I have to ask if the lightning do win the cup which player do you see celebrating as hard as Tom Brady in his (laughs) boat parade Oh, because if anybody saw on Twitter Tom Brady had a time that day (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm sure everyone in the world saw Tom Brady at that boat parade. Um, I don't know if, if people saw, so the, the lightning's boat parade was obviously during the pandemic last mm-hmm. year and it still lasted about 12 hours. So I'm going to say they, like, they started on the water. They went to Raymond James, which is where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. And then they ended up back in the same spot on the water on jet skis. I there's two there's two people that stand out to me. One is Pat Maroon. Yes, um, I was so hoping you'd say that. I I think he was he, he he's yeah he's a shoe in for a good time. And Kucherov was was pretty wild to watch in the last boat parade. So those are I put my money on those two. I love it so much, Deandra Lou. You've said it all. Can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, enjoy the energy in that building tonight for all of us up here in Canada. And most importantly, stay safe. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Deandra. Enjoy game five. Right there, Deandra Lou, Tampa Bay Lightning reporter coming to you live on World Hockey Report. I have the perfect picture of Pat Maroon ready to go for when they win the Cup, too. It's, I, I think it was last year. I believe it was one from last year and he just has the most dad bod you could draw up. Like when you close your eyes and think about it, that is Pat Maroon. (laughs) He's a former oiler. I hate to rub salt in the wound, but oilers, you messed up. You got rid of a good one and there's a very damn good chance. He will three Pete already. Let's dive into some NHL news here for pro rock hockey six game seven of the Stanley cup final or game one of your next beer league season. We all know you need a twig. You can, Trust Pro Rock is that hockey stick. Pro Rock, family owned and operated Canadian company, changing the hockey stick game. They're lighter, more balanced, and at the best price point when it comes to top of the line sticks. Check them out today, prorock.com. That's P R O R O C C.com. And follow them on social media. We got a lot to get to, but also you brought up the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I just have to tell everyone, you called them Tim Brady yesterday. So, I, was- I mean, you can blame it on a spelling mistake. I think Katie's an NFL fraud. I'm just going to throw that take out there. It's a hockey show. Oh, my God. Context for this conversation is so needed. Okay, and we'll move on to pro rock hockey. <laughs> so I got no idea. People are going to think I'm an idiot, and I actually know more about football than hockey. <laughs> oh, we won't, we won't dive into our NFL predictions for this season yet. Hey, obviously game four, that was a pretty wild one. I, I want to get your thoughts on it. Josh Anderson, two goals, huge overtime goal, a huge penalty kill. 
it just seemed like everything that needed to go right for the Habs did go right. And, you know, they, they win a game at home. Well, and Carey Price, too, because they didn't look themselves in the first 10 minutes. They, I don't know if it was confidence or Tampa was just buzzing or if it was just a combination of all of it. But Price held the minute and it was just the moment of, oh, OK, this is the effects that it has when Price is on like that. So he didn't necessarily need to steal the game from them, but he creates that confidence for guys like Josh Anderson to step up and score two goals. So and you said it, Cody, like that penalty kill. It's so crazy. Like, in what other situation would you look at a team, especially Montreal, and go, okay, four-minute penalty you have to kill off, and you're going into overtime, and you're against the Tampa Bay Lightning and their power play? Like, in what world do you get out of that? But it speaks so much to how strong Montreal's penalty kill is. They, they were putting so much pressure on them. They weren't letting them enter and get set up. It was just... Tampa doesn't look as sharp and as clean and fast as they usually do on the power play, which is such a crazy thing because I just never imagined, especially in the final, that we would ever be speaking about that. How pissed are you if you're like Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos? You're like, we get a chance to throw our gloves and win a Stanley Cup in overtime on the road, yeah. and we score. Like That's like every kid's dream. Like Any kid playing street hockey in the driveway is like, okay, overtime, chance to win the Stanley Cup. Let's just score on our power play. It basically feels like it's at 50% here. Mm-hmm. And the second unit was out for way too long, in my opinion. I, and I'm not saying you got to be Dave Tippett and have McDavid and Dreisaitl play for the full two minutes out there. But if you're John Cooper, you got to know your second unit's pretty irrelevant at this point, And you got to ride your big guns because that was your chance to win. Everyone knew if Montreal killed that off, they were going to have momentum. They were going to be buzzing. Boom, what happens? Ends up in the back of Tampa's net. And you kind of mentioned it too with Deandra. The Habs have some momentum. As much mm-hmm. as people might not want to admit it and be like, Tampa's got them where they got they want them. They're going game five at home, chance to win the cup. I don't know. The Habs have a little bit of momentum. Carey Price in games, they got a chance to be eliminated. He's pretty good. Well, and that's the thing is time and time again, we've seen it, that Montreal shines with their backs up against the wall, and Carey Price specifically does. And obviously with Tampa, this team is different, but we've said that in, what, every single series now? Like, people didn't think they were going to get past Toronto. And then Winnipeg was what it was. I don't think people were expecting them to not be in that series, but a lot of people picked the Jets. And then it's, oh, but this one's Vegas. And it's like, well, they're here, aren't they? And it's, it's a multitude of factors, but it's just they keep doing it it doesn't always make sense but you like Carey Price if he's on because that's been the biggest thing is through the series we just haven't seen the Carey Price that we were used to seeing through the first few rounds and he's arrived so if he arrives in that building this evening you don't really know what can happen and and you see things like how pumped up they are after a huge kill like they're they're drawing their energy from all of these different circumstances and it's just working for them so well. Like I want to ask you this actually, Cody, cause you've played hockey when Shea Weber's yeah. in the penalty box. Like what are the guys thinking at that time? Cause obviously you're fired up. You want to kill it off for your captain and just because you have no choice to stay in the series, but like, because it's Shea Weber and the guys just love him. Like when you see your captain go into the box, like what's going through your mind right then if you're Montreal. I think there's a little bit of, and and I feel that the media was blowing this out of proportion. Everyone's like, oh, your captain's in the box. You got to kill it off from, you got to put your face in front of it. I don't think that's exactly what guys are saying, but everyone knows Shea Weber would step in front of a truck for his teammates. Mm-hmm. So that's what Montreal's thinking there too. They're going, hey, 
our captain just took a shitty penalty. Let's kill it off for him. You know, we, we got a job to do. We can't, you know, use it as Shea Weber's in the box. That's an excuse for getting scored on here. It's just kind of do a job. And yeah, you've got a little bit of an extra push knowing, hey, it's Shea Weber that's in the box right now. And you know that he's not going to sleep for a month if they score on that play. But uh, it's a fair point I think you make. We talked about this um, the other night after the after the game, but I want to ask you again, lineup for tonight, what are you thinking? Because heading in last time, so many people had questions, myself included, especially with Kotkaniemi. But it seems like like all of the moves were a factor in the win. Like, are you going with the same lineup tonight? Was Jake Evans that big of a factor in the win? I'm not saying that. No, no I agree with you, but like technically... Oh, he's fine. I'm not saying you got to take him out of the lineup. I just, not that I wanted to see Montreal lose, but I mean, I could just imagine how funny hockey Twitter would be if the Habs lose and Konkaniemi sitting out there. Romanov, he was good. Kulak, I think he brings a little bit of a different dynamic. I think his skating's fine. That helps him out. So, end of the day, they, they make the changes. They pick up a win. You can't change shit for game five. Kulak also had a few mistakes, though, that I feel like not enough people are talking about. Again, Eric Gustafson literally cost him a hockey game. So Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> For Kulak to make some mistakes, I will give him a free pass on that. Alrighty, we got to head off to commercial break here. When we come back, it's Stephanie Legou, co-host of Habs Tonight. You're listening, watching wherever you are on 12 Ounce Sports. It's World Hockey Report. Cody Jans and Katie Caldwell with you. We're back after this commercial break. Game five tonight. Who do you like? Let us know on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. I'm there at Janner31. Katie's there at Katie Loris. I'm not going to spell it out for you because our next guest has been waiting for too long. And Stephanie, <laughs> coming to you live for Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, our friends there. If you're not looking for a heavy drink this beautiful summer, you got to try out Coco Vodka and Coco Rum, the absolute best. They'll hit the spot refreshingly different. Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, new tall cans and flavors. They're coming next in Canada. New tall cans are here actually at most places. If you check them out, enjoy the Coco life with us. You will not be disappointed. Our next guest from Habs tonight, Steffi Lego, joins us to talk some Habs. What's going on? I want to ask you. I mean, <laughs> does anything give you the belief that the Habs could actually come back and win this series, Steffi? Because I said it before to Katie, I feel like there's a little bit of momentum now on the Habs side. I'm not falling for the belief that Tampa has them right where they want them. I mean, it gives me the belief based on we're in the Stanley Cup finals right now and every series win since Toronto has been a bonus for Habs fans. None of us expected to be here. So you kind of have to believe it, believe at this point. So we were just talking about this, Steffi, that a huge bright spot for Montreal has been their penalty kill. And especially against this typically high flying Tampa power play. What is it about the PK that's clicking so well for them at the right time? I know. I mean, all year they've had a strong PK with, I mean, a, a number of shorthanded goals. It's been working all season. So bringing that into the playoffs, I was nervous, especially against Tampa's killer power play. Um, I think it's just the consistency and the pairings that they put out there. They're, they're not making the mistakes that can cost us. I know Tampa's power play has been insane. Even last game, I know there's been posts and you really feel like they're collapsing into the penalty kill. But yeah, I think that's been our key to success. 
What have you? What do you make of the adjustments that Ducharme and the rest of his coaching staff have made through the series? Um, Cody and I were just talking about this. That many of us had questions, myself included, especially with Kotkaniemi. But it seems that he was on something. Oh, I had questions for sure as well. Like, I, I wasn't expecting that kind of big of a line shuffle. Um, it really seemed like a, a last chance, hail mary pass to try to get the boys going. Um, yeah, before puck drop, I wasn't like I wasn't that optimistic. You know, it was just as the game played out and Anderson started clicking with Caulfield and Suzuki. I mean, I have to be happy, right? It worked, and I heard you guys mentioning like you can't change anything now for Game Five. Steffi, I want to ask. I got two more for you here. If there's twenty one thousand in the Bell Center, are we sitting at a two two series right now? <laughs> That's a very good question. I mean, some of the mistakes that were made in the Bell Center. Would that have happened with 21,000? You'd like to think not. You'd like to think even the refs and some of the calls could have gone differently if there were that many people yelling at them. Um, you only, I wish we could see that. I mean, the cup finals, first time in 28 years, you obviously want a full building, but I guess there's nothing really we can do about it now. Outside of Carey Price, who's been your playoff MVP for the Habs this year? Who's one player who you really think has taken their game to the next level? a good question i feel like each game a different player steps up who kind of was unexpected um i'm gonna have to say suzuki though we all knew he was good but he's come out shown like boatloads of confidence his playmaking his hand his stick handling that pass last game um we all know he's gonna be our number one center and unreal player but i love that it's all coming out in these playoffs katie do you have anything else just wondering about a prediction for this evening and the series, if you may be so bold. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, it was 3-1 versus Toronto and that score against Toronto, I was, my hopes were not too high, but here we are. So I'm going to have to say Habs in seven. Um, my prediction for tonight, um, I'm going to say a 2-1 game, low scoring. The Habs are going to be physical again with Weber hitting everything that moves. Um, a goal prediction, maybe? I think Caulfield gets on the game sheet tonight. Okay. <laughs> there it is. Steffi, thank you so much for hopping on the show here. We appreciate your insight. Thank you so much for having me. Right there, Steffi Lego from Habs tonight. Hop it on World Hockey Report live now, that, that's an interesting topic we bring up of who's the MVP if it's not Carey Price. Katie, I want to get your thoughts on that because mm -hmm. I think Suzuki's a pretty obvious answer, but I think that we're kind of doing a disservice to guys like Josh Anderson, like Cole Caulfield, yeah. like Jeff Petrie. There's been so many clutch players on this team. I want to know your thoughts. Well, that's what's so interesting about Montreal is obviously Carey Price is like the no question MVP. But outside of that, it depends how you quantify that, because you can look at it of guys who have been super consistent, like Shea Weber. It's like he's just been noticeable every game. And then you bring up guys like Nick Suzuki. Like when we were on um, the other night, right after the game, one of the first things I said was just Nick Suzuki, man. Like he's just... He's shining. And one of the big questions that we had was their depth at center going into not just the final, but the first round. So, yeah, like it, you can make a case for Cole Caulfield. Like you look at that and it's just wild to comprehend still that he was scratched at any point in his career. Like, um, but Josh Anderson, that's the cool thing about the playoffs is there's on different nights. There can be different heroes. 
and it's exciting, but it makes it hard to kind of go with an MVP because if you don't have Josh Anderson, you might not be on to the next game. But then if you don't have the consistency of some guys, like I think it's interesting that there's not a clear, direct answer on that for the Habs because it just shows how spread out they are and how complete they are. And you wish you could give the MVP to just their big four on the back end, right? Mm. Because their top four on the back and their top four D-men are phenomenal. You know, when you think of a Ben Chirot being, you know, their fourth D-man, it's they're just spoiled. They're spoiled. Look mm. at look at Edmonton. Outside of Darnell Nurse and maybe Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry puts up a lot of points, but defensively he's clearly not there. Those, you know, those four are the best four defensemen in Canada and the whole North Division. So it's it's mm-hmm. wild to think about that those four are better than anything Toronto put on the ice. Obviously, Winnipeg struggled. I'd say Logan Stanley was their best D-man in the playoffs, which can't happen. We won't dive into Quinn Hughes or anything. I know your thoughts are there. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, sticking with some NHL news from uh, for our friends at Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. You, you've seen all the drama on Twitter. Oilers' Twitter is absolutely livid one way or another with this Duncan Keith potential trade. You would think it actually happened. Like the way that they're yeah. talking is that, like he's worn a jersey already for two weeks. I don't get it. What's with the hate? This guy's won three Stanley Cups. He's like 38 years old and he leads Chicago in ice time mm-hmm. on the back end. I get it. Your analytics people probably aren't going to say he's a perfect defenseman, but how do you expect a 38 year old to play 25 minutes a night and be perfect analytically? He's not going to play that role in Edmonton. So for everyone to think he's just going to jump in there and be, you know, PPD man one. I don't know. I I think it's just, it's short sighted and it's delusional. You're bringing in a veteran presence who's going to help a team who has none of that right now. People on Twitter being delusional? I don't believe it. (laughs) Edmonton to me makes a whole lot of sense. And my gut tells me that that's probably where he'll be. Um, Because he wanted to be, it was either Western Canada or Seattle, correct? And the last I had heard from Rick Dollywall is that he had reported that Seattle was out or had heard that Seattle was out. How I look at it is like, A, I think he would be a good fit in Edmonton it's a competitive team obviously with they've got some pretty big key pieces but as we've as we've seen it they can't just get past the hump in the playoffs so at the end of the day though I look at this situation and Duncan Keith has earned the right to decide and I don't think enough people are really talking about that like he took a pretty team-friendly deal and he's done he's done so over and above for everything they've asked of him. And he was obviously a gigantic part of all of their cup winning teams. So I don't understand why everybody's so upset about it in Edmonton. Like you said, it's as if he's wearing the jersey already and his family's relocated there. Um, It makes a lot of sense to me, especially if that's an area that he wants to be in. I think it would be a good fit, but Twitter's a dramatic place, Cody. (laughs) Yeah, you know, never been dramatic on Twitter in my life, so I wouldn't Mm -hmm. know too Honestly, like, neither have I. Never planned to be. I, I just don't get the hate on Duncan Keith. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you see this one like thread and it's like, oh, here's why Duncan Keith isn't good. And it's like him getting burnt four times. And it's like, have you seen the Oilers defense? That's yeah. nothing. That's regular first period. You know, why? Yeah. Not encouraging veteran presences to come and help, you know, mentor these young defensemen the Oilers have so many young D-men up and coming and even guys like Darnell Nurse Mm -hmm. Tyson 
I don't think he's going to be there. But they've got these defensemen who you can say that they're NHL elite already, but sometimes it still helps to have someone who's won a cup three times, gold medals, championships, world juniors. I don't even know everything Keith's won because he's won so much stuff. But like they, they act like it's a bad thing that they're like, oh, we probably shouldn't have an old mentor in the room. Instead, let's just have James Neal eat up five million of the cap. I It boggles my mind. The realest of deals, Janner, that's why. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's a fun guy to go golfing with. But, you know, if you're spending five million. I think you'll take Keith over Neal. Nope, I fundamentally agree with you. I I don't understand all the hate for Duncan Keith. He's someone that I don't think he's a perfect fit for every team by any means. There are a lot of teams that don't necessarily need that presence from him right now, but Oilers are one where I look at it and go, it just seems like a good match to me. Now, I'm going to start the rumor mill here. And Love you that. Go notes. Should Vancouver make a push for Jack Eichel? Because he's still got years left on his deal. And if you want to speed up the rebuild a little bit, because I don't know how they're going to do it with their cap situation when they got Patterson, Hughes, Demko, you know, they're, they're not going to be around for the next 10 years as a whole core. So you kind of got to see some of these sped up rebuilds. Is Jack Eichel a fit there at all? No, no, I don't think he is. And you bring up Petey and Hughes, and before they think about bringing in any other pieces to complete that team, they have to prioritize signing Pedersen and Hughes. Habs are in the Stanley Cup final because of their defense. That's a really big part that we've just spoken about. And other things, yeah, price, depth, all the, all the hits, but the Canucks need to prioritize defense. They especially a right-shot D-man. Um, Hughes needs it. He, he So... I understand why people think that he could plunk in there. Obviously, he would help the team. Obviously, Eichel's an electric player. But I also, there's a bit of risk with him. Like the the neck injury, you're not sure if he's fully healthy. Bit of a falling out with the Sabres. And I'm not saying that's not fully on the Sabres organization. I obviously don't know what happens in that building. But third line center is a priority for them but they have more options at center than they do on defense so i would rather them see building out the defense first then kind of go back forward but yeah i just don't think like if they're one piece away and the rest of their team is complete then i could kind of see them making a move if they had more space to play around with but i just don't think they're that one piece away they need so much more help that i would rather them start picking up like God, I just I don't even have enough time in this segment to go into what the Canucks need, <laughs> but it's not Jack Offer sheets, Hughes or Pedersen, though. What happens if what happens if someone offers sheets Hughes or Pedersen? What happens if someone says, here's 10, here's eleven? Like this this happen? it's a game changer and it's something that doesn't get utilized. It's such a hypothetical at this point. But that's that's my issue with even Colorado right now with Kale McCart. I believe he's an RFA. I, I don't understand why a team's being like, let's keep our next, you know, three first round picks. Why don't you just offer she kill McCarr? Because that's a way bigger target than you will mm-hmm. get, you know, than any of your draft picks. I don't care if you're picking top five. Kale McCarr is yeah. a generational player. So I don't know. A, a little wild, a little short sighted, if you ask me. But I got to get to one more thing, and that's because we didn't talk about this last week. It's the NHL's newest ambassador. You know where oh we're going. God, Cody. I am putting it on a tee for you right now. I'm Josh never Rich- going to be welcome back. <laughs> Josh Richard is a TikTok influencer 
who, I mean, he's got a lot of business inquiries or uh, interest from what I saw. But I want your thoughts on this because this is, in my opinion, this is basically like them spending money on a Facebook paid promotion. This is them just being like a lot of kids following him. We want to reach this younger generation. Let's just give him a bunch of money and hope he talks about the NHL. Oh, I have so many thoughts, most of which cannot be shared on the internet. Um, Not only is this person problematic, he has no relation to hockey. So if you're the NHL and if your intention is to grow the game, why would you find someone that's all that's only catering to typically the audience that's already there? Like you have an opportunity to reach a diverse, totally new demographic and you're going to go with this guy. And just because you have however many million TikTok followers, I don't really care, doesn't mean that it makes you a good ambassador for the game. And right now, the NHL is at such a pivotal turning point of like, you need to figure out what your identity is in this progressively changing world. And time and time again, and I'm sure we'll get into this with a bit of Blackhawks talk, the NHL just continues to be tone deaf and they just don't understand the direction that they should be heading just A, as a league just fitting into our society but then be in a way if you're actually trying to grow the game reach out to different ways like they they could have gone someone that'll grow the game with inclusivity and intersectionality rather than going with the epitome of the old boys club that they're trying to step away from trying i mean and by that i mean members of the media are trying to get the league to step away from that and the league is just so strong on this is our stance this is what we're doing and it's like Imagine you just put a woman of color in there. Just imagine that for one second. And like Renee Hess, Black Girl Hockey Club, like there's so many good ambassadors of the game that are true hockey fans that do have a ton of followers. To me, they just missed the mark in a hundred different ways. It makes no sense to me. It's tone deaf and it's embarrassing. You hit the nail on the head when you said the NHL, and especially, I'll I'll go back to the bubble they talk about. We want to be more diverse. We want to be more inclusive. We want to take these steps forward. This is a perfect example of them Mm -hmm. not following through on what they say. It's, uh, It's a classic NHL thing. But again, should we be surprised at this point? Unfortunately, I love the game of hockey. I don't think the NHL made the right choice here. Again. Time, time will tell. I, I really wish these deals were more public. I want to know what are they paying him. I want to know why does Gary Bettman think this is the right thing to do? Why there was no other or what other options were explored? Because I guarantee you there is thousands of other people, probably more qualified, that would probably enjoy being in that position. So disappointing to say the least. Mm-hmm. We gotta get off to a commercial break here. Our next guest, Mike Peluso, former NHLer, he's on the line. He's coming up next. It's Cody Jansen, Katie Caldwell with you, the number one hockey show on the internet, World Hockey Report. We're back after the break. Game five tonight. Can the Habs survive another day? I guess we're gonna have to wait and see if we get another boat parade down in Tampa. <laughs> Andrew Steffi for hopping on, bringing us quality content. Follow us on Twitter anytime at World Honky RPT. I'm on Twitter at Janner31. Katie's there at Katie Lawrence. Our next guest, former NHLer Mike Peluso, brought to you by Billy Smelling Salts. Ditch the energy drinks and coffee. Get ready to win with Billy Smelling Salts. They're designed for athletes looking to get in the zone. Billy Smelling Salts, rapidly increasing energy levels through brief sniffing. Support Canadian business. Go check them out today at shopbillies.co. Plus, punch in the promo code WHR for an extra 10% 
10% off, of course, use responsibly. Our next guest, Mike Peluso, joins us, and I believe he's in the great state of North Dakota. Mike, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing good. I hope you guys can hear me. I'm out on Leah actually fishing right now, so uh, life's pretty good. Wow, there's a lot worse places to be. Mike, I, we appreciate you taking the time here. Um, I, I, I got to ask you right off here, though, just to just so I got my facts straight, did you play with Bob Probert in Chicago? I, I did. I actually played his very last year in the NHL for quite some time, and one of my biggest regrets in hockey is, uh, I, which I, I didn't do a whole lot. He, you know, he, that was his job. And him and I together, I wish somebody had got a picture of that one because that would have been a pretty special moment. So uh, he was a great teammate, uh, you know, just a, an awesome man. Uh, you know, obviously my heart and condolences still go out to their family. That's a, and, uh, Bob decided to, you know, go the other go the other way. So unfortunately, you know, it happened to a really good guy. Such a big loss for just the sport in general. Uh, Mike, I want to switch to the playoffs here. If you're Montreal right now, your backs are obviously against the wall and not a ton of people seem to be giving them a chance right now. But time after time, we see that doesn't seem to really matter to them. What's going through their head right now heading into game five? Well, they, they're, they're playing with house money. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they weren't supposed to got a great goaltender that at any given time can absolutely... I think that's what they got to rely on. They got to go in and just rely on Carey Price, you know, grabbing a couple goals here and there and holding on and see if they can't. If they can get this next one, they've got a pretty good chance at it because you innovation as a player, you, you get a little tense, a little tight. Uh, pressure's on. Actually, they're supposed to win it again. So, uh, you know, again, I think Montreal kind of came into their own, you know, late in the season, and and they're proving that, and they've been ready this this playoff. So I I wouldn't count them out. No better time to come into your own, hey. <laughs> so Mike, <laughs> yeah, you had right? a pretty cool milestone recently in your life, inducted into the North Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. What does that mean to you? You know, when you're growing up as a kid, and I, and I said it on stage when I was. A lot of Sandlot baseball. You play a lot of backyard, you know, a lot of Stanley Cups and World Series and all that. And you, you pretend you're certain app. You know, I used to pretend I was Brett Hall or Wayne Gretzky or what have you. And then, you know, Kent Herbeck. And unfortunately, I think I took that literally because I, I, being about a, a two two fifty. But anyway, he, you know, it's just all these guys and in the state of North Dakota some of the more famous names uh, Roger Maris uh, Darren Erstead a guy that I actually played I mean these these guys are in that North Dakota uh, Hall of Fame and and I uh, have my picture up next to him is a pretty special place mm-hmm. Mike, I want to ask you, one of the, the cooler things I see on your hockey resume is in 2000, I believe it was, you got to play for Team USA. I mean, one, how cool is that, being at the World Championships? Also, not a big deal. You were second on the team and scoring on a team that included Phil Housley, Brian Gionta, Jason Blake, just just to name a couple there. What was that like, Mike? Probably, for me, honestly, one of my highlights of my hockey career. I mean, it, 
any sweater of your respected country, I mean, that's, that's something that you always try to strike. And again, you know, getting to play with those guys. I was a minor leaguer at that time. I hadn't, and I felt like I, I did more than hold my own. And, and uh, we had a, a backstory to that tournament that a lot of folks don't even know. And we were pegged to do anything uh, special at this, this tournament. It was, it was for Russia. So, of course, Russia absolutely loaded up their team and uh, completely destroyed, I, I want to say it was Sweden, like 8 nothing into that game as as really, you know, uh, underdogs. And, Bash, he was actually our backup for the tournament. He was kind of smarting off to our four before the the night before saying, you know, you put me in there, we'll we'll, we'll, well, well next thing you know, Rivera looked at him and goes, actually, you're in. And that stopped about 60 pucks, stood on his head. Um, I actually had a couple, too, and they literally had a Cardis off the rink because the fans that we we snuck went out on them there. So that was uh, maybe the second miracle on USA. Wow, I loved watching Robert Esch grow up, too, especially in Philly there. He had a couple of unreal series against Canadian teams. Mike, you bring up Russia. I mean, I got to know, what was your experience there? You got some funny stories. I got to spend time out in Eastern Europe, and every guest we have that's going over there has a funny story. I want to hear it from your perspective. Probably tell this story now, uh, being that I think we're past the patience, but we we got done with the tournament. This is, we were all take, uh, taking some of, uh, uh, you know, Russia's scenery and, uh, uh, an establishment where people decided not to work for a lack of a better term. We almost didn't make it out of there alive for some. We were well received being that we're from USA. And that was, I thought my life was flashing before my eyes. And the other funny thing about that, you raise your hand for a taxi cab there. You, you got to get out of the way because they're fighting. And, uh, it was like a scene out of uh, out of the movies. They'd be at you from every different direction, and then you get in their cars. They don't even have seat belts. So, uh, but I'll tell you what: a five dollar bill over there at that time, you could pretty much and uh, see the whole world. <laughs> oh my. Thank you. We appreciate you uh, reliving those memories for us. Hey, I, we know what you're doing the United Fishing Tours. Please, please let, let the audience know what you're up to. Where can they connect with you? I know you're doing some cool stuff out in North Dakota. Yeah, I'm actually guiding as we speak right now. Kakawea, Devil's Lake, and also the Missouri River System out of Dakota. Pretty easy to find them on on uh, Facebook, Mike Peluso Outdoor Web at MikePelusoOutdoors.com. And, you know, things are going good. Fishing out here in North Dakota is probably world class, and we got believable. So it makes, makes me look pretty smart on most days. Mike, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time here this morning. No, I have free time. It's, it's always a pleasure to kind of relive the past a little bit and shoot your own horn once in a while. I don't, I don't try to do that too often. So when I get a chance to, it's kind of... Hey, we appreciate you taking the time here. Right there, Mike Peluso, former NHLer, joining us on World Honky Report. 
Ben Time, Chicago, and Philly. You might have played with Robert S. too later down the line after USA, now that I think about that. So, Katie, obviously, you know, we, we, we talk about some of the things in hockey, and we'll dive back into some NHL news here for Pro Rock Hockey Sticks quickly. Another hot topic of Twitter was the Ron McLean interview with Gary Bettman. I Do I really need to explain too much about this? I, I guess, you know, the, the big thing that people are pissed off about is that he didn't ask about the Hawks. I seen an interesting point from Paul Romanic, I believe it is, former Hockey Night in Canada. He was the executive producer. I probably apologize. I don't have that off the top of my head. But he pretty much just said, hey, it's the, the NHL and Rogers are a partnership. They would never do something like that that could risk their image. I want your perspective. You are much more of a neutral media person than me. And I feel like this was an opportunity where Ron McLean could have stepped into an uncomfortable zone or Rogers in general, and they didn't. Ken Campbell, for anyone that hasn't read it, actually has a really good article about this. So I recommend um, people going to read that if you haven't already. Cody, this is a situation where many NHL fans are screaming at their TVs mid-interview calling for this. And instead of the important conversation that needed to be had, he's giving Gary the time and space to talk about how fair and consistent both the refing and the Department of Player Safety have been. That I have no time for that conversation at any time. An NHL team covered up sexual abuse and this should be a much more massive story than it is. And I understand that as media and journalists, there's a lot of information that still needs to be learned. And I, I get that there's a lot of layers and complications to it. But when you're in that situation during the Stanley Cup final, like this is one where people are watching Hockey Night in Canada and you know they are, you have to ask, you don't have a choice. And journalism and media are about accountability. And one of the most frustrating things for me with this situation Ron has pushed Batman before on things like he's played hardball to a point where they've almost like had it out and no gray area. This is a situation where he needed to be pressed. And in that article that I was talking about with Ken, Ron had said it, it was his choice not to ask the question. Cause of course a lot of people are saying, Oh, maybe Batman's team vetted the questions and they said no and cut them out or whichever. And I do get that if that's the case, but if that's the case, don't bother doing the interview. If you're going to go and you're going to fluff up the refs and department of player safety, and that's the purpose of that interview. And Ron said like, oh, now is not the time and place with a screaming building or whichever. Then when is? When is the time and place, if not a screaming building, where a bunch of people are watching and engaging and you're just going to miss the most important topic that we need to ask? It's unacceptable. To blame it on a screaming building when there's 3,500 people in there was just an asinine comment. I did read that. Ken Campbell, he is uh, 100% not a fan of the show, but great article. He's, he's a great journalist. Don't get me wrong. But again, that's a whole whole different story. You, you totally make a point, and I get it. They said, okay, these questions weren't vetted, if that's the right term. They weren't nixed. But if they were asked, does this complicate Rogers Sportsnet's uh, relationship with the NHL because if that's the case you know as well as anyone else the higher up in media are going to be putting duct tape over your mouth they're going to be getting rid of you they're not going to take that it's a business for them it's a money business and it's sad it's pathetic it's how the journalism has gone it's it's hardly journalism at this point you're chucking them softballs about refing and player safety 
you know, at, at this point, it's basically a movie. You know, it's mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> this is an actual hard hitting journalism or an interview. This is a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And it's it's a time where, OK, I get that people talk about the relationship between Sportsnet and the league or whichever. But like you're a business and you're openly just not addressing the things that your fans want to hear about. And going back to our conversation about the TikTok star and just back to the bubble last year with how embarrassing and complicit the league was and so many different things, it's they keep being given these opportunities to pivot and to change and to be accountable and to be honest and they're not taking it. And that's what's continually frustrating to me is every day is a new day to kind of shift how people are looking at the league and you need to try to do that. There's so many people that are frustrated with this and they just keep alienating their fans that are screaming at the TV going, that's the only thing we wanna hear about right now. That's the only thing that's important for us to be speaking about right now and you won't touch it. Like, how are hockey fans not just getting frustrated with the league and a big, tone that I've heard online, and I fully understand this, a lot of people love hockey, a lot of people don't love the NHL. And they need to find a way to connect those two partnerships. <laughs> There's a way you could do it. Just, just stop being so complicit. That's the thing. We bring back the WHA. Mm-hmm. Just like the logo. No, and I mean, you make valid points. There's nothing you can argue in any of that. This is this is an hour long show. We can sit here and you know just absolutely scream at the NHL, but until any action actually happens, it's going to be the same conversation over and over and over, and nothing's going to change because the NHL has found a formula to make money, and as long as they're making money, they really don't care who's happy and not, you know, because they're quote unquote, doing their job of bringing in people money. That's all the business owners care about. That's all the teams care about. Sad. It's sad, but I think uh, it's, is, is that not true though? Like, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. But that's goes back to our previous conversation of if the goal is making money, stop gatekeeping. Like if the goal is actually growing and making money, make better decisions. I, I definitely think there are some that could definitely be made. Okay, we're not going to dive into, uh, you know, unless you got any quick thoughts on these signings here. Oilers signed Nugent Hopkins, 8 by 5.125. Wild center, Joel Erickson, that gets locked up, 8 by 5.25. I mean, these are second liners here. Did anything shock you really or no? No. The both yeah, of those I, I saw coming. They were there as vanilla of contracts yeah. as you can. <laughs> Already Quackstats, who are we going to bench here for our friends at Quackstats, most advanced player tracking technology? I'm just going to bench Oilers fans for not wanting Duncan Keith. I think that's a valuable leader you want in your dressing room. Go off. Retweet. I love that. Today, I am benching the hurricane that's trying to interrupt our final. Get out of here. Yeah, I'll we'll bench Mother Nature. I'm fine with that one. I do not like the plus 40 weather we were having as well. And I think that goes for BC too. Uh, Better the Night brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use promo code 120C Sports, all caps, no spaces. Mybookie.ag. They're going to match your deposit 50% of it. I'm going Bolts and Regulation. It's a win, win, win for me. If the Bolts win, I win my bet. If the Habs win, I mean, it, well, if it goes to overtime, I win mentally because I cheer for overtime. And if the Habs win, I win because I'm happy we get more playoff hockey. In this family, we do go for the win, win, win. We've spoken about that many, many times. Um, I understand that on the show the other night after the game, I said the Tampa would win it. I think I said 4-1 or 4-2. And I've had some time to sit with it. And I'm going Habs tonight. Habs in regulation. 
surprise you're a bandwagon fan no one's uh no one's too surprised about that get out of here i'm leaving <laughs> oh, oh huge thanks to our guest on the show though it was a good one i i really thought we had some insight deandra was awesome talking about yep. tampa Steffi brought in some Habs takes. And Mike, I mean, anytime you can talk to someone who's played at the best league of the world, plus a world championships, that's obviously pretty cool. That's going to do it for us, though. Any last thoughts? I just don't want this series to be over. I know, Habs have to win, even just for that. I'm not ready. We need more hockey. Talks to my Billy Smelling Salts after the game tonight. Don't forget, download the podcast. We've teamed up the folks of the Hockey Podcast Network to present the show. Download, rate, subscribe, wherever you're podcast from. Everyone, that's going to do it from us here. Be kind. Be better. Be better.